Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys cover how to properly price your home to sell, all while enjoying Tin Cup Mountain Whiskey. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks with Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective. As always, my name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here with... My name, Jameson Amaros, guys. What's going on? And today, guys, we not only have a really cool bourbon with, with some interesting facts to it, but we have a, a really fun topic that we want to talk about that can help you in the future. And remember, guys, we are Colorado Realtors here, and we do this podcast strictly to give you, the consumer, the best information. We post our videos uh, in between Monday and Wednesday on YouTube, and our audio is usually posted on Fridays or Saturdays, uh, depending on how long it takes me to edit it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've kind of realized something about this podcast. Like, we give you guys information that you would only get, for the most part, if you actually employed a realtor to buy or sell a house. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. we want to give it to you guys for free. We don't ask you guys. We don't advertise on this platform, mm -hmm. right? We're not sponsored by any of these whiskeys. Mm -hmm. We just want you guys, honestly, if you enjoy what we're talking about, share it. Give us a review, um, like it, comment, yeah. and and to us that's that's good enough because we we do this for you guys, right? It's it's a lot of fun for us. We get to do a ton of fun research yep. and talk about some really fun topics. But at the end of the day, the goal is, as always, every single week, we want you guys to come away with at least one or two mm -hmm. unique perspectives, different facts, well, something think, you can use. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that people forget that realtors. Although yes, you know we do we are in sales, we do marketing, all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, real estate is a is a service based industry. Right? I was gonna say somebody tweeted the other day on the Twitter on the tweet on the Twitter, uh, <laughs> and it said something along the lines of controversial opinion. I'm a realtor. I am not in sales. Yeah, which is true. Mm -hmm. It is a hundred percent true. Well, is I mean, there, there's a yeah. transaction. But it's not sales. No, like, no, no, not by any no, means of the word. I mean, no. and honestly, both of us coming from a sales background. Oh, it's not sales. I this job is ninety percent marketing. I think it's a it's marketing <laughs> and consultation. Oh, 100 percent. Right. It's yeah. it's a we're essentially an individual mm -hmm. consulting firm. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I want to make an investment that I want to live mm -hmm. in for the next twenty years, and then I come in and I consult what the best way is to do that, and yeah. then negotiate everything for you guys. Well, and that's I. I I think like to your point, like you said, is, you know, we do this specifically to bring you guys the information, whether it be, you know, free or not, because at the base level of our job, that that's what it is. If we can't provide our customers, our mm -hmm. clients, our you guys with information, we don't have a job. We're the Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, of, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, we is Wikipedia still like a bad thing? Because I know when I was in school, I was always told like, never use Wikipedia. Dude, I love Wikipedia. Well, I, I mean, I, it's a genuine question. Do you guys know? Let, let me know because I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've been out of college long enough, but yeah, it, it was there always was some like, shortcuts. It was, it was always like, oh, Wikipedia can be changed by anybody. Therefore, don't use Wikipedia. I mean, I'll be honest, dude. If, if we're talking about that kind of thing, like yeah. is Wikipedia bad? Is ChatGPT bad? Like it's the same yeah, thing. Same, yeah. It's just ChatGPT is smarter Wikipedia. True. The, the point is you give the information away for free. Yep. So we are the Wikip people. Wikip people. Wikip people. Wikip people. Wikip people. Yeah, Wikip people. <laughs> That's fine. Figure it out. Oh, man. Well, guys, today's bourbon is, Dude, I'm excited for this. Is, 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 is honestly a really cool one that we it just happened by happenstance. Jameson said That's, that he liked it. That is it. the definition. <laughs> right? He, we happened by it. Hap by happenstance. <laughs> just randomly. Uh, Jameson, we got here today and we were like, oh, crap, we don't have a bottle. 
So Jameson went and picked it up. He's like, oh, no, I, I, I tend to drink this one as a good sipper. Obviously, we got rid of the neck pour for you guys because we got, we got to give you the best mm-hmm. information yeah. on this bourbon. Yeah, we don't slack. No, no we no. don't slack. No, not at all. No. Um, but honestly, from the, from the taste that we had before, it, it, I'm, I'm surprised. And then come after that, we start going, wait, neither one of us know anything about this. And we start looking into it, and holy cow. Well, it's funny. It's one of those things. I mean, I've drank tin cup for a very long time. Like, I don't know, since I started drinking whiskey. Um, really? And I've told you guys a story about JC and how him and I got into whiskey. Yes. Tin cup was one of the ones that we started out with. One, because it's cheaper. It's like 32 bucks, right? Um, and it just seemed very Colorado-y to us. So that's why we started drinking it. Really? Yeah. Uh, not knowing that it is might be one of the most Colorado whiskeys 100%. by just not even definition, but use case story, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it comes with, and I'm kind of disappointed you didn't pour that with the tin cup. You're right. It's, it's aesthetic. It's beautiful. Maybe we'll just take a shot at the end. I like it from yeah. the tin cup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so it's tin cup whiskey. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a Colorado whiskey. Okay. It was, uh, what do I want to say? <sighs> My words are drawing a blank. Well, it's been so, a, it's been a long fucking. Week well, I know. I, one of the cool things that I read about it was the reason that they named it Tin Cup, and it comes with that cup on the top, specifically is because that's how miners used to drink yes. their their bourbon and whiskey. Yes. Is they would drink it from a tin cup, just like they have. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes from mostly Colorado. And what's really cool is if you guys take a look at the bottle, um, go back in the video and look at when I did the close up on it. You can see the mining symbol. Inspired by Jesus Christ, five minutes later. <laughs> and he's back. The loading bar has filled. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, it was inspired by Tin Cup, Colorado, yeah, which was a mining town on the western side of the Rockies. Nice. So an actual mining mm-hmm. city way back in the day, boys and girls. Well, and if you don't live in Colorado, when he says on the western side of the Rockies, guys, there's... 14,000 feet of just rock there. Yeah, people like, don't realize that. No, no. It, it, like. it's, we it's, talked about this yesterday on the, on the community spotlight. Yeah. We were up in, in Highland, Colorado, which is like sat northwest of Denver, right? Really cool mm-hmm. area. We did a spotlight. It should be uploaded here pretty soon for you guys to see on the channel, Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective. Check it out. Um, but we were talking about it, and when people – I always go back <laughs> to the fucking Dumb and Dumber <laughs> where they're mm-hmm. driving. He goes, just, the Rockies aren't that rocky. John Denver is full of shit. <laughs> and a lot of people will come to Colorado and just expect the entire state to just be mountains. Like yes. we live in the mm-hmm. goddamn Alaskan wilderness. And guys, that's not the case. Like no. Denver is a high plains desert. A high plains desert. We do not get a ton of snow. Mm-hmm. And when we do, it melts very fast. Right? Within, within 12 hours most of the time. But then when you go to the Rockies, people just assume that like the Rockies go from, I think people assume like from here to California, like, yeah. it's just nothing but mountains, right? <laughs> exactly. So yep. when we talk about like, we talk about the Western slope all the time. Mm-hmm. If you drive straight from Denver to Grand Junction, you yep. get to a point where the mountains disappear and you're mm-hmm. in these massive valleys. Yes. Within those valleys, there's a lot of cool things. There's wine country, there's um, hot really springs. Cool t- yeah, hot springs, there's uh, high plains, there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of stuff. But um, when we say Western slope, we just mean the Western side of the Rockies you know, between like Where Glenwood Springs and, and Grand Junction, there yep. was a ton of mining towns. Tin Cup was one of them. And that's where this whiskey got its inspiration because mm-hmm. they used to pour it into Tin Cups. Tin because cups. obviously well, they didn't have glass back in the 1800s. And I, think, I think the coolest part is once we started looking into this a little bit more, all of their branding, yes. every single bit of their branding is around camping and functionality of the bourbon and the bottle itself. Yes. So 
just a as a point, you guys can see it's kind of got a hex hexagon shape to it, right? So they say that that is on purpose. It's not just an aesthetic thing that they do for that specific reason. Because if you're taking this camping with you and you're on a hill hillside, the bottle won't roll away from you. It'll stay there. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times on these websites, these companies give, like, cocktail recommendations. Now we're cooking steak, huh? No, that's yeah. This one talks Over about... Over an open fire. Yeah, how to prepare a steak with tin cup on a campfire. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I, you know, we, we've done some bourbons from and whiskeys from Colorado, but I think this one encapsulates... It is, it is advertised almost as a hiking and camping yes. whiskey shared with friends. So they have, they have the food recipes... Mm -hmm. for a steak over a skillet and an open fire while you're camping. The hexagon shapes to prevent it from rolling downhill if you guys are hiking. Um, the tin cup to share around a campfire if you yep. want to. Uh, and the hexagon shape also allows you, if it's in a like the exterior of a knapsack or a backpack, it adhere, it, it Well, it gives more surface area, more surface for, a area for you exactly. to attach to. Yeah, and, and it gives you more of that more more of that those point of contact yes. that it won't it won't slip around yep. slip out because it, it can actually lock in. No, it's, I I'd mean, be, it, it's cool I'd be interested shit. to see if REI has ever has ever done anything. I don't know, like man. That. I but so total side note, we are talking here. I'm just going to read this because I think these are super super cool. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason it comes with a tin cup. Pour and serve. It's always better with a friend. Um, tin cup makes more than just great sipping whiskey. Include it in your favorite drink and food recipes to add another dimension of flavor and heartiness. They give you the half a cup of tin cup in a frying pan mm -hmm. to cook the steak. Um, trail performance is how they yes. actually, mm -hmm. you know, talk about it, right? Uh, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, man, it's cool. For, what do you say, it 38 cool. bucks? 31. 31, I mean, 31 that's, that's a bottle of Buffalo Trace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, okay. Yeah. I, I, I want to, I'll be interested to see oh, how it this goes. this is the other one. Forage and combine. So they actually tell you if you're out camping, right? And oh, you, yeah. And you've mm -hmm. got this. You can add aromatics like pine needles if you have a knife, which if you're camping, you should. Yes, and a birch tree, right? scrape off some bark for a natural birch flavoring. It's, like, come it's, on, al dude. it's almost like they're saying, hey, these other guys put, put that oak stick in the, in the yeah. bottle. You go out and grab it yourself, put yeah. it in there. Yeah. You, you want to be a real man yeah. <laughs> or woman? Yeah. That's great. I'm excited, man. I, like I said, it's just cool. Like, obviously, yeah, we're, we're Colorado-based. Yes. This is even with some of the Colorado burns we've had, this mm -hmm. is the most this Colorado Colorado yeah. thing that <laughs> absolutely. we've had. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, I will tell you what. This guy comes in at what forty two percent. Yep. Yeah, and I will say that it does have a little bit more of a burn on the nose mm -hmm. than I expected it to at that percentage, but you can still smell flavor through it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just on the nose itself, I am getting some of that the the that fruit. Which yep. honestly, I feel like it's drowned out a lot. Do you want some pine needles? Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's go run for it real fast. We'll go yep. grab it. But I, I, I do feel like a lot of the time we hear oh, caramel, vanilla, mm -hmm. uh, apricots, you yeah. know, like different fruit fruit yeah. notes. And I never really get the fruit notes mm -hmm. on this one. Absolutely. Yeah, I do too. It's a, it's almost a sweetness from yep. the fruit. Well, we also talk about the color a lot of times. Yes. And you'll see this in, in lower proof bourbons, right? Anything that's not aged for, I would say, eight years or more, mm -hmm. you'll see this kind of light amber color. And a lot of people assume, whiskey connoisseurs and people that drink bourbon, uh, will assume that it's going to be light on flavor too. And we've, we've had that mm -hmm. in the past where it's like, eh, I mean, the color's there. And then you taste it and you're like, you know what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's not much to it. That's, that was that long branch. That right? Was a, yeah, yes. that wild turkey long branch that we had. That was exactly what it did. But I mean, from the... 100% from the, I, I will say from the, from the bottle percentage to the look of it, I would not, 
think that somebody like a bourbon connoisseur would look at this bottle and go, oh, I'm, I want to try mm-hmm. this. Um, but I will say that just the nose on it in general yeah. gives gives me more of like an exploratory feel mm-hmm. to the bourbon. Yep. I, I do. I want to sip it because I want to get past that burn and see what mm-hmm. see what it is. I'm not going to stick past my nose in it. Campfire burn? No, campfire hey. burn. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, I do want to see how, how it how it plays into it because now I'm in the mindset of I'm around a campfire. Which, shameless plug, yesterday, Denver Highland, we uh, highlighted Happy Camper. If you guys haven't been down yes. there, it's right off of 20th and I-25. And uh, they've got fire pits in mm-hmm. the uh, shape and feel of real campfires. Awesome place. Check it out. Well, I mean. Ooh, this is good. Just, yeah, just th- that first sip alone. I mean, 100% share it with a friend. <clears throat> pour it out. I would not feel bad about buying this bourbon and bringing it to a place where people don't know bourbon and giving it to them. Because I think it would give them... A, a positive experience yeah. you know and, it's like and a gateway bourbon the gateway yep uh, the, the gateway bourbon, bourbon. <laughs> yes yeah 100 percent. and 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 i th- and i believe that with with this one even the i don't know about you but as i let the flavor sit a little bit the burn is almost almost mm-hmm. not there no uh maybe the first initial millisecond that you sip it yeah right in the very front of the tongue but, but it dissipates pretty it, quick. and it gives way to definitely more of that more of that fruity caramel vanilla and i mean smooth yes it's smooth smooth. but also to the point where it says mix it Mm -hmm. for 30 dollars, i i would i would put a little bit of splash of of coke in here because i feel like it would complement it now that's not saying that the bourbon's bad i'm not saying that this needs coke 100 this is a great sipper but as far as the ability to complement a cocktail and make a cocktail out of it just from the flavor of the, the, the sips, mm-hmm. 100%. Well, yeah, because you can do a splash of Coke, and it's either going to complement it, or if it's a lower-quality bourbon, yes. it, it'll overtake Overpower it. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I think that the sugar cane, and on, if you can get, please excuse me, but if you can get a Mexican Coke, yes. a glass bottle, that is what I would put in here. Yes. I wouldn't do the syrup or no. anything like that. Yep. The, Sh- the glass bottle. sugar cane. Yeah, yep. 100%. Because yep. it would complement that, that sweetness. Phenomenal. I, li- I like it. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, yeah, this is good. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one for the for the conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. And on that note, guys, like I said, we today's topic, obviously, Oscars in the barrel again this week. Um, so Jameson and I, when that happens, we kind of just freeform it for you guys and, and and throw a kicker out. Um, but freestyle. What we want to <laughs> what we want to talk to you guys about today is how to properly price a home. And what goes into it? Yes, mm-hmm. because obviously we've touched on it before. A lot of people, you know, they go, oh well, real estate agents just get paid to do so and so. Open doors. Yeah, open doors. Show the houses, whatever it is, and everybody has their opinion and they're entitled to it. But if you get an agent that does not know how to properly price a home and just appeases you, and you come up and you say, well, I know that this house across the street sold for this amount, and they just immediately go, oh, yeah, 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 we could do that. Mm-hmm. That should th- draw up a red flag for you. Run. Run, because at the end of the day, they're just, again, they're just there to appease you. They're mm-hmm. not, not going to sit there and go, actually, let, let me take a look at this first and then go through it. Well, it's also the, I know this isn't the topic, but that's usually the agent that is there for a paycheck. Yes. And then we'll do maybe one or two deals for the rest of the year mm-hmm. versus a realtor that will is there for the long haul to build an actual business and a, like I said, individual consulting it, yeah, firm. Get the client to make sure house. that, yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, I've had it where people have said, Hey, I want to list here. And I've told them no. Yep. Right. And I'll be honest, like that's happened 
in over a million dollar home. Absolutely. Which for me is a large paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. Being 100% transparent with you guys. But I have told them no at the risk of them firing me and hiring somebody else to tell them yes, knowing that I am essentially giving up a paycheck that most people would kill for. Yeah. But it's because it's at the principle of it, if that's the pushback at the very beginning, then the rest of the experience is not going to be good for either party involved. Absolutely. And it's going to be stressful. It's going to be drawn out. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be hurt feelings, all these different things, right? So mm -hmm. when we talk about like, why is it important to price a home correctly, we have to talk about what also goes into pricing a home because Absolutely. it is not just pulling addresses within a 0.25 mile radius and going, and all right, cool. What, what's been for this sale is what or what's is. sold. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's not it. And, and one thing that's that part I do, of it. it's a very small part of it, but it's part of it. But one thing that I do want to say is as you're watching or listening, you have every right to want to get top dollar for your house. And we understand that there's memories in there. There's, there's lives that have happened in this house and you should be able to capitalize. But again, it comes down to sales knowledge and the ability to sell the house based on the price. Mm -hmm. And we're, let's get emotion out of it all. Let, let's, we're strictly talking the business and the selling psychology around pricing a home. Yeah, and I think it's important to note too that when we talk about the housing market, right, most people assume incorrectly that it is a free market structure, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Free market because essentially you're saying, well, the market uh, factors will dictate what something sells for. That's not entirely true though, because yes, you have the supply and demand, which is a large part of the housing market, but you also have people's personal opinions. Yes. Right? So that's why when we say a truly free form- Talk about a factor that nobody can- predict. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like a free, a, a, a free market is truly only dictated by market economic forces mm -hmm. and you, your hands off, you just have to try and time it and you have to, you know, whatever, do your research. But a home is very different. And I'll give you a very simple example. Right. Let's say I have a house and I am marketing it as a four bed, three bath home. Okay. Okay. In the suburbs here in Castle Rock, in and around Denver. Got it. And I have the home stage just set up to showcase four bedrooms, three bath. At the same time, we are seeing a massive migration to people working from home, in which case people want a home office. So mm -hmm. if I walk into two homes that are priced the exact same, with similar square footage, similar lot size, similar curb appeal. One of the homes is staged as a four bedroom, so they have bed, 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 bed. The other one is staged as a three bed, but with a home office. And I, as a consumer, value the home office, even though I could very easily walk into that other home yes. and convert it into an office. Mm -hmm. I'm, my brain, it's a monkey brain. It goes, yes. how do I get from A to B mm -hmm. as quickly and efficiently as possible? Well, this house is showcasing an office that's the same house. Nope. That one to me is valued more. Exactly. Because it fits into the parameters of what I have previously thought I wanted. Yep. And, and that is something that I think a lot of people don't, don't take into account is the, the stereotypes behind selling are true for a reason because marketing and sales is based around human psychology. Yep. That is the base level of how it gets done. Mm -hmm. And to the point that Jameson just made, if you're going to buy a banana and you walk in, and it looks like a banana. It's yellow. It's elongated. It's curved. It's a banana. Could be a plantain if you're in Puerto well, Rico. But. I was going to say. But then you <laughs> peel it. Yeah. And now it's something different. Right. How are you going to feel? Right. Right. And, and that's something that, again, showing a house, mm -hmm. preparing the house to be to be sold, 
that plays into it. Yep. Uh, almost more than than anything else mm-hmm. in in the whole sales process. Yep. So Jameson, you, you wanted to you wanted to kind of break down not only the the process of how we do it, but then just some statistics and stuff behind it. Yeah, right? I think I mean I think the when we're gonna have the conversation about like how to price a home correctly to sell, right? We gotta we gotta talk about the why. Yes. Like why does it matter? Okay. Two years ago, did it really matter what you priced the house? No. Why? Because the market was hot. And why was the market hot? Interest rates were low. Money was cheap. Right? Money was cheap. Interest rates were low. People wanted, it was, I mean, you're talking 2.75%. If it was on the market, you didn't even have to put a for sale sign on it. You're going to get multiple offers. And once you have multiple offers, you drive demand. Once you control demand, you control the price. And put a pin in what he just said there because that's going to come up again in, in the future. So that being said, we fast forward to today. One of the factors is still the same. Inventory, historically low. As a matter of fact, April and May, we saw nationwide the two months, essentially since we've been tracking new listings, as the, the smallest amount of new listings coming to the market historically. At least, I'll go back at least within the last two decades. Oh, yeah. Right? So from 2000 to 2023, the last two months in a spring selling season that normally means people <laughs> are selling their houses, putting them on the market, we had the lowest when I amount on, of listings. When I logged on to the MLS and I saw the green bar at the top for active listings below the red bar at the bottom for pending. Yep. I was, oh no. What, uh, what were they at? Just out of curiosity. So remember? the, the new was at around 1300 okay. and the pending was around 18 or 19. All right. So this is important. I want you guys to pay attention to this because, and I've said this in a couple of videos before people tend to overcomplicate the housing market yes. and like come up with all these different reasons that's going to crash and all these different things. Listen, at the end of the day, it's supply and demand. That's mm-hmm. literally it. Okay. That is it. How many new listings this last week? 1,300. 1,300, okay. I think over the last two months, we've averaged like 1,500 per week in the Denver metro area. That's what we're talking about. So if you're hearing the 720, the 303, or the 970, or the new weird area code that apparently we got introduced, I don't know what even know what it is. Where, wherever you are. Who cares? You can take <laughs> Tink up there. But uh, in Colorado metro, we're averaging about 1,500 new listings a week in 2023. If you go back to right before Boo. the housing market oh, crashed yeah. in 2006, 2007, we were at over 25,000 new listings a week. Yep. 25,000. Now the housing market crashed. Let's go to 2016, 2017. We averaged almost 10,000 new listings every week. Guys, 1,500, okay? 1,500. And that is in the same breath. So that's the supply side in the same breath as what buying groups, yep. right? We have two of the largest demographics buying houses right now, very interestingly. Number one, yes. millennials, obviously, because they're coming to what's called household formation age, mm-hmm. having kids, getting married, et cetera, right? Largest it's buying a fun group. experience, guys. Yeah, largest you buying remember, group. Remember, it's about, it's about the journey, not the destination. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Lar- that's why we have whiskey. Uh, <laughs> largest buying group in history. The second largest buying group is the baby boomers. And what are they doing? They are now at the point, so this is a crazy statistic, right? I think it was almost 30, or no, 47, no, 37% of baby boomers that are homeowners do not have a mortgage. So what do they have? A fuck ton of equity. Money. Right? <laughs> equity. What they're doing now is they're going, you know what? I'm cash flow rich. Mm-hmm. I can sell my house because we have low supply. I can then take that $600,000 of equity, go buy cash, my dream home, 
And so those are the two groups that are fighting for deals. Now, the problem is, whereas the baby boomers have their equity flush, right? So yep. they can go out and they can put cash, which the last two months we also saw some of the highest percentage of cash buyers. Yep. Not investors. Most of well, them were baby boomers. I was going to say, it doesn't not surprising with the interest rates, right? Right. But because interest rates are so high, you're still seeing buyer demand cool a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's not keeping up with the lack of supply. No. So when we talk about why is pricing important, it's because we as realtors want to get you guys the most amount of money possible, but we can't just rely on the fact that supply is low because of where interest rates are at. Absolutely. And and if you if you think about it from a sales a sales mindset, if you're coming at it like I'm going to list my house because I can right now, mm-hmm. you're already losing mm-hmm. because you're not going in with the right mindset. No. You're not going in on how to capitalize. You're going in with I can flip this. What was the uh, I wish you can you upload clips on YouTube without being copyrighted? I don't know. There's a great the great the one of the I don't think so. one of my favorite movies of all time, Dark Knight. Batman okay. with Heath Ledger, oh, okay. right? All right, all right? Greatest Joker performance yes. of all time. I can agree with that. Fuck you. Live action. Me. Greatest live action Joker I don't, performance. That doesn't, okay, what? Mark no. Hamill. No. Mark Hamill, bro. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's, it's Mark Hamill. Heath Ledger. Sorry, sorry. Heath this Ledger. isn't a comic book podcast. Hands down. But hey, shout out, Fan Expo Denver. See you guys this weekend. Yeah, RIP Heath Ledger, greatest Joker <laughs> performance of all time. Hands down. Not even a fucking question. Anyway, there's a quote in that movie <laughs> where they ask him if he has a plan. Mm-hmm. And what does he say? Do I look like I have a plan? I'm like a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't know what to do that once I caught it. Yep. Right? If you go into listing your home without a a definable plan, mm-hmm. that is essentially what you're doing because everybody's psychology is well shit sold crazy for the last two years. So why was it not? You're telling me demand's the same and supply is even lower than it was two years ago. You're right, but monetarily. It's different because the one thing that does influence the market more than anything else is affordability. Yes. And if you cannot physically afford to purchase a home at a certain price point, but you're now marketing your house to sell to those same people, that is a fucking problem. Yes, absolutely. And and to the point that he made that Jameson made earlier about equity, we're seeing, like you said, the largest equity that Americans have held ever. Right. So now with the way that the interest rates are, and we talked about it before. The motivation is very is very low because I can sit on this and I'm still making money. I'm still mm-hmm. gaining equity. But if I do that, there's an opportunity that once interest rates drops, I'm going to have to compete and I'm going to have to start giving Correct. certain concessions and different things like that. Yes. Right. Yep. So one of the most important aspects of pricing a home that I want to touch on is you're not when you're pricing a home, do not look at the current listings around you to try and figure out your current price active point. listings. Yeah, active. Yeah, exactly. Pending? Always. Yes. Active? No. No. Exactly. Oh, by the way, you want you want a tidbit? Yeah. Cool. Tidbit me, yo. Tidbit. Uh, I'm not encouraging you guys to do this, right? Because there, I know a lot of good agents, a lot of good realtors. I also know some shitty ones. Um, if that agent, if you're looking at pricing your home and the agent pulls, hey, here's where the pending listings are, when we see something pending, we don't see what the offer was that they accepted. No. Right? If your realtor is not on the phone with, with comparable homes listing agents going, hey, mm-hmm. where are you at? Can you give me an idea? Are you above ask? Are you below ask? Are you guys looking at concessions? They are not doing their due diligence and therefore they are not doing you yes. the service that they Mm-hmm. are required to give you mm-hmm. because yes, it's pending, but that counts because if I know there's three pending houses that all 
came on the market and were off within three days. And all three of them, even though it's not public knowledge yet, have offers above listing. That is an important factor to consider yes. when you're selling your home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to your point. So don't those, be afraid to ask your realtor, hey, did you guys, did you call them? Yeah. Keep them on their toes, no, please. Dude. And again. Keep them on your toes. I, I don't, I don't care who your agent is, if they've been doing it for 20 years, if they've been doing it for two years, you are their client. You have every right to ask every single question to make you feel comfortable with the sale and your mm -hmm. purchase of a home. Again, you have every right to ask every question about the sale or the purchase of a home to your real realtor or real estate agent. And to piggyback off that, if they're good, all those questions will be answered up front. Right? Yeah. Like you'll sit there and go, okay, I get it. I'm good. Like, hey, update. I called all the pendings. This is where they're at. Blah, 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 blah. Now you don't have to ask that question. But if they're not doing that, again, we just want to make sure that if you guys are going through this journey, yep. you're partner with somebody that's going to, that, that's there for your benefit. So anyway, so, so Jameson, your, what, yeah. So Jameson, yeah. what, it, why don't you want home, home sellers to look at the current active listings in their neighborhood? Because doesn't that give them a good idea of, of, of what they could sell for? It gives them a good idea of what other people's opinions are of their own home. Case in point. Right? Yep. That's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, I can list a house for whatever, right? It's literally a number. I type it in. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't give me any information, actionable intelligence, I guess you would say, where I'm pricing a home. Because I could price a home. Let's say I've got something similar, right? Two houses. I'm going to list house A. House B has been listed for 17 days. And house A and house B are very similar in the main categories. Square footage, lot size, uh, view, levels, amenities, finishes, etc. And home B is listed at $700,000. Home A, we could list at 700,000 based on what home B is active for. But what happens if home B ends up on the market for 97 days with all things remaining equal? What that means is that house is not listed at 700. So now we have now made a decision mm -hmm. that affects your financial future mm -hmm. on something that has not sold. Yep. We look at historical data, right? I have a, one of my favorite quotes of all time is the best indicator of future mm -hmm. performance is past performance. Yep. That's why we look at something that has already Absolutely. sold or is pending because that means that is, that is something actionable. The market said this property is worth this and we know that because somebody physically paid that amount of money for it and it closed. And, and let me ask you, Jameson, what... What would you say, in your experience, mm -hmm. is the number one reason that homes sit on market for 20-plus days? Uh, well, I mean, the number one reason is they're pricing correctly, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Now, that being the pricing incorrectly could mean it, they're not taking into account the condition of the home or deferred maintenance or unique, you know, lot specifications. Like, hey, you know what? This house is beautiful. Everything's updated, blah, blah, blah. But the backyard has a power line that runs the length of the deal and my house does not. Yep. Okay. Well, and, Which and all things. but yes, that means that based on those factors, they price the house too high. Okay. Now follow me along on this thought experiment. Yep. Okay. So you have a home that was, was priced. Hey, uh, let's say the, the home seller said to the agent, I want to price this at this. I want to, I want to get the most for, for my home. Okay. Now the agent takes that, they post it. Home is sitting on market for, 20, let's go 28 days, 30 days. Okay. Now as a buyer's agent, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you deal with that property now? 
<clears throat> Sorry to pour my tin cup whiskey into tin cups since we knew that first. Um, so we call it, well, it's, this is kind of a misnomer, right? But if something is on the market in an area that is, and again, this is, this is demographic, right? This is why research goes into it. Mm -hmm. Because you, you said how long on the market? Let's say, let's say 30 days. Okay, so this is why I love headlines, right? Context matters. So let's say you say that exact same sentence, but it's in an area where the average days on market is 47 days. Mm -hmm. Does that now matter? Oh, absolutely. It doesn't. Well, it matters, but it doesn't matter from pricing. Like no, what no, no, you're no. getting to is if it's on 30 days, people look at it and they'll say, well, it's a stigmatized property is what you're getting at. Yes. Right. And saying, okay, well, something has to be wrong with this property because it's been on the market for 30 days. Well, and not only that, it's as, you know, we're, we're talking from the seller side, but as a buyer's agent, when you go on the MLS, your eyes are tailored for what home has sat on market longest. Right. Yes, but th I think this is where you there's that there's that layer of the onion that's that's underneath it, right? Yes. Because I guess what I'm, what the point I'm trying to make is if you can have a stigmatized property in an area if it's been sitting on the market and it's an outlier, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, everything else has been selling four to five days. This is on for thirty. Something's wrong. Whether it's price, whether it's the interior, whether it's something else that hasn't been disclosed, whatever it is. The flip side is also true though, right? If you're in an area where the average days on market is 32 and there's been something on the market for 40, you're actually not that far off, no, right? Yeah. That's, that's the second mm -hmm. side of it. The third factor, and you talked about in the very beginning, there is a, a buyer's psychology, yes. right? Because we went from, and I think we've talked about this on a previous episode, we went from buyer frenzy where everybody was expecting to pay over asking appraisal gaps, et cetera, to a point where we slowed way the fuck down that i mean dude october through january was the slowest oh, yeah. two quarters in the housing market that we have ever seen buyers then flipped and went now i want a deal and i expect a deal yes so now they go well this house has been on the market for four days that's more than the two days it was a year ago so i want a deal in concessions and so on and so forth but that's where i was getting to yes. right is a common a common practice with buyers agents is when you're looking, obviously, yes, the factor plays in is what is the average days on market. But when a buyer's agent is looking, if they find a house that fits in their client's parameters mm -hmm. and it's been on market longer than the average, in their mind, selling and buying psychology, they're going to go, well, these people want to sell. And rightfully so. And therefore, I'm going to get what I can, mm -hmm. so they sell me this house. Yep. And, and that leads us into, again, the thought of proper pricing, right? Yes. Because the reason I brought that up in the first place is a lot of people go, I want to get the top dollar for my house. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to price it at the point that I think it is worth, Yep. right? Or you now price it to be competitive. Mm -hmm. And what does that lead to? Competition. Right. It, it leads to a drive up of the price. So when we're talking sales psychology, yes, all of us, when we, when we list our houses, when, when we think about selling, we go, I want the best bang for my buck. I want to start at what I think it's worth and then go from there. But again, when you have inventory that's so low and interest rates that are so high, you're putting yourself in a bracket that may not benefit you. And, and honestly, you probably won't get that price versus... If you go in and let's say you know your house is worth six fifty, mm -hmm. but you price it at six thirty five, yeah, that's a fifteen thousand dollar difference. But that will now lead to oh, 
my agent just did a, co- a comparative market analysis and it looks like this house should be priced at 650 but it, it's at 635 that is going to draw so much more attention from buyers and buyers agents than a house that is equally priced to five others in the neighborhood right yeah i think there's two there's two important distinctions right you have the pricing itself and then you have how you determine what market value is yes right and I know it sounds like the same, but it's really not. And the reason I say it is because when we talk about pricing itself, more often than not, it's influenced by the seller's personal opinion and emotional opinion of what their house is worth. We, when, when I look at where a house is priced, I look at something called the pricing derivative. Essentially, think of it like a food pyramid, right? Yep. Where all the sections are, you're either at the top of the market in price or you're at the bottom of the market in price. And then requisitely, you're either going to, to attract the fewest amount of buyers or the most amount of buyers, mm-hmm. right? So if I price within the top 10% of the market, I'm only going to grab the attention of 5% of the buyers. If I price in the bottom 50 per, 50%, five zero of the market, I am now going to entice almost 80% of the buyers, right? You don't want one or the other. You want the healthy balance that's going to give you quality offers that is going to actually reflect what the house is worth. Yes. And that is where the compromise is and yes. where it goes. So the reason it's, I say it's in two is because that's the, that's the you know, I don't you want to call it the scientific method of pricing a home mm-hmm. in that area. But now the question is, how do you get to that price? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the struggle is because a lot of people will just say, hey, I saw, you know, a four bedroom, three bath house listed at 900. It sold for 905, right? Now that's where a comparative market analysis comes in to determine does one property over another have specific features? And I'll go back to the initial example of one was staged with an office. Mm -hmm. The other was not. One is on a cul-de-sac. The other one is on a main street. One backs to open space. The other one does not. Third car garage, no third car garage. These are all things that we look at as value adds yes. when we're trying to. Because a lot of people say, well, I have a four-bed, three-bath. It's 3,200 square feet. That's a four-bed, three-bath, 3,200 square feet. Why is that worth more than my house, mm-hmm. right? Now yep. it turns into, okay, this is where the professional opinion comes in. Well, hey, you know what? Quartz countertops versus granite. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. That matters, matters to people. Uh, two Jack and Jill baths, one Jack and Jill bath, one office, no office. Bathroom on the main level. Yep. No bathroom. Two bedrooms in the basement, one bedroom in the basement. Backs to a green belt, but there's a house on the other side. Backs to open space, but the open space has power lines. All bedrooms are on the main floor. Right. Right. Uh, Here's one that people don't ever think of. North facing (laughs) versus south facing. Yes. Especially here in in Colorado, Colorado, right? Um, there's just little, little intangible things. And the beauty of, and I tell people all the time, right? Like one of my big spiels when I'm a buyer's agent is people always tend to like feel bad to take me to houses to show them that they're not necessarily interested in. You're building a portfolio. You're building a portfolio, but you're also being able to walk into multiple houses within a certain price point. Mm -hmm. So I can immediately tell, think about it this way, right? You could have the exact same square footage of a house, the exact same view lot size, both have third card, both have upgraded kitchens, both back to open space, but the floor plan itself is open or it's closed off because this house decided to walk, knock down a wall, open up the kitchen to the living room. It's, you know, whatever it is, right? Or same square footage, and I've seen this happen before, but one house, you walk into the living room and there's 10 foot ceilings. The other house, you walk into the same living room and it's a 25 foot ceiling. Opens up the space, same space, 
like square footage wise, but it feels bigger. Yep. That's and going, it has and it has win, open right. windows. So there is a mm-hmm. lot of just from a semantics of the house itself that go into it. Yeah. The other piece of it is if you're selling a house within a certain proper or within a certain area, you got to look at affordability now. Absolutely. Right? Like, dude, 6.79, I think, are the interest rates right now. Mm-hmm. It's going to determine who can actually afford the house. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, it, it's so many people start looking at, at home prices and, and, you know, as buyers and they go, well, oh, I can, I can afford the mortgage. Okay, well, what about HOA? What about insurance? What what about your utilities? You know, and, and that's and those are areas where even as a seller, you have to consider because we've talked about it on the podcast before. There are properties out here in Colorado, and you would think, oh, Colorado, it's bustling, it's growing, it's one of the big that still don't have basic services run to them. Right, right. There are properties that have trucks come out and fill up a gas container that they then need to use and have that truck mm-hmm. come out. That plays a huge role into how you price your home. Well, think about it this way, right? We Colorado right now, new builds are going nuts. Yes. Okay? Actually, nationwide, new builds are going insane. Um, and Keep I bring going, this up, baby, I bring, we need it. I bring this up because with new, we call them track homes. The beauty of it is from a comparable analysis standpoint, the floor plans, like yeah, if I buy a yeah. Richmond home in Aurora mm-hmm. and a Richmond home in Castle Rock. Yep. Okay? It's like a puzzle piece. My my model is the Hemingway. I know for a fact they sell that in the Aurora Highlands. Okay, so the the floor plan is identical between the two, right? So why would the list prices be different? Oh, I wonder what what what's around it. Well, let's do this. Okay, so I have a mortgage calculator for those of you guys that are listening. As far as like, hey, if I make an X amount, what can I afford? So Douglas County. The average household income is $147,000. Household, right, combined. 147, that's average. Okay. So if you just take some, and, and we do some, you know, uh, assumables, assumable facts. Yep. 30 year mortgage, 6.75% interest rate, 10% down, okay. right? Um, still, property tax. Still, still a very good amount down yeah. at 10%. Property tax, 0.76, which is requisite for Douglas County. It's yep. actually going to be higher in Aurora Highlands, but yes. we're just going to leave it at that. HOA, 75 bucks a month, right? If I make $147,000, I can afford, with an FHA loan, which right now those rates are cheaper than a conventional, okay. roughly a $525,000 home. And when you say afford? As in, that is based off of a debt-to-income ratio of 28% on the front end, 43% on the back end, okay. which essentially means you're buying the house and you're not house poor. Yep. House poor. But you can literally go through underwriting and qualify for a loan up to 521, which means you're putting $52,000 down. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Well, if I am listing a house in Aurora and I am marketing to residents of Aurora, that average or median household income goes down to $96,000 a year, right? So if it's at 96, now all of a sudden the price point that I can afford is. $337,000. Which significantly puts you in a different in right? a different realm of what you can afford. Because I would say in Aurora at five at fifty at 520 to 550, you, you can get a single residence. You could. You can the, get a single the residence. The important part is, and this is where the planning comes in when we talk mm-hmm. about you have to have a plan. 
if you want to list your house and it is worth that much, right? Because again, I, you can look at any community and say, okay, a four bed, three bath, with an unfinished yes. basement, it's going to be worth X amount. The cookie cutter. Right? Well, mm-hmm. now the agent has to go, okay, and here's the beauty of geotargeting, right? Yep. Well, am I going to then list that house at a price that is, you know, in line with the seller's expectation, my market analysis, et cetera, I'll list it at that price. Who am I going to market to? Aurora? Probably not. Nope. I'm going to market to the demographic whose median household income can afford that house. Yes. Like that is the level that we get to when we talk about listing a home, right? That is I, the level you have to get right. to. Two years ago, you didn't have to worry about it because no. at 2.75% APR on a mortgage, anybody can yeah. essentially afford anything. Fish in a barrel. Right? Mm-hmm. But now you're at 675, 687. They may come down to low, you know, mid fives by the end of the year. It's a consideration. And that is where you start to see the success or failure of selling a home quickly is I now can go on Facebook, I can go on Google, I can go on YouTube, and I can say, hey, you know what? I want to market this flyer, this house that's now available in Aurora, but I'm going to only market it to people that can afford this house because it does me no good to market it to a demographic who on average would not be able to afford the house, right? But that's one factor that goes into what the list price is. And if you want to market it and you want to sell it quickly, obviously you want to market it to people within the area. Yes. Well, that's going to drive down the list price mm-hmm. because people can't afford it, right? Yep. Nothing good, bad, or indifferent about it. It's facts. But again, the, to the point that real estate agents open doors, that a, a good agent will know to look at factors mm-hmm. like that. And an agent that's just in it for the money will appease you and say, yeah, I'll sell it for that. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, well, hold on, let's let's pull back a little bit. In the area that we're selling, where people honestly probably won't be able to afford the price point that we're looking Correct. at, so let us let's get strategic about it, and let's plan to market here. Let's plan a price point here, and maybe we we do a little bit of an addition to the home to to benefit to these kinds of sure. buyers. Yep, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. And and there's an episode I think. Oh man, we'll have to look at it. We'll, we'll reference it. Yeah, in the post edit where we went through and the best return on investment of home improvements that we'll be able to increase mm-hmm. but some of the easy ones guys i'll be honest curb appeal bathrooms and kitchens finish the basement deck outdoor living those right. are the four that i would tell you if you're going to invest money invest it in those well you'll get the most return i mean even in general landscaping right right like yeah at the end of the day <laughs> it's you know what's funny appeal. about landscaping your point psychology right yeah so let's say you're looking at my house that's for sale mm-hmm. and my landscaping is it's not shit, but like I haven't mowed the lawn in three weeks. Yeah. I got some weeds growing in the rocks. What's your thought as a buyer? This house was not taken care of. Right. So deferred maintenance. Mm-hmm. What else is there? So then now what does that do to you and what you're willing to pay for that property? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm a little weary about it. Right. I might offer a little bit lower because I may have some un, unforeseen costs going into yep. it. Right. Little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the other thing you guys, when we talk about listing houses from a supply standpoint that you guys don't quite understand. We talked about, so both of us have a Best Buy background, right? Yep. And we used to have competition. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Circuit City and Ultimate Electronics were the big ones, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody was saying, okay, we got to price this. We got to see what they're doing, so on and so forth. When you guys are listing your house as a resale home, you have to understand who your competition is. Yes. Which is who? If I'm listing a resale home, who am I competing against? Other, other realtors and other Not sellers. resale homes. New construction. No, yeah, new construction. Right? Mm-hmm. So here's a, a statistic that it blew my fucking mind. I heard it two days ago. So this is fresh off the press. 
a year and a half ago, new construction home sales were 12% of the market. Okay. Of the real estate market. Let me, let me give a guess as to what they Go are. For it. 38%. You're close. 33. Makes sense. Almost triple yep. what they were a year and a half ago. Yep. Right. Why is that? Rate buy downs nationwide. They have lowered their prices mm-hmm. by 12%. To sell homes. Their confidence is through the roof. So here's the second statistic. And this is why it's important if you're looking at listing your house, why listing it at the right price and doing the things necessary to get it ready are important because you are going against a very aggressive conglomerate of Richmond, Lennar, Meritage, TriPoint, etc. All these new home constructions that are throwing the kitchen sink at people to buy these properties. And and again, to, to that point, while you're driving around, guys, just look on the side of the road. It, when you see for sale signs, it's builders. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to remember that these builders, like Jameson said, multi-conglomerate, they have a background. They have marketing funds, right. literal, literal funds, bank accounts specifically made for marketing. If you, as Joe Blow, Susie Q, are trying to go up and compete against that while also competing against interest rates, while also competing against buy downs, offers, concessions from these from these builders, that's going to hurt your opportunity if you are not priced correctly. Well, let's let's talk about buy downs specifically because mm-hmm. Taylor Morrison, what is today, June twenty eighth? Yep. Right. So June twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Taylor Morrison has one of the best incentives I have seen in Blue a very long mind. time. Okay, their homes, three to four thousand square feet, mm. open floor plan, beautiful, right? Their destination collection starts at 744000 So you figure 20% with Design Center, their lot fees are included, so call it nine hundred. dollars You yep. can get into a Taylor Morrison home, okay? So I have a $900,000 four-bedroom slash office, three-bath, finished or unfinished basement, 3,700 square feet. Guaranteed new build. Right, guaranteed new build, new community, whatever. Bigger lot. If I compare that to a $900,000 house... That also is updated with a larger lot, let's say, uh, finished basement. Maybe it's a four bed with an office and it's 940, okay? What you guys are not understanding is you're thinking, well, yeah, my house is worth 50,000 more, right? Because I have a a fifth bedroom that's an office. I may have finished my basement and my lot's larger. That's fantastic. You're not ready for, you guys aren't ready for this. But if somebody buys your house at 6.75% with 10% down, their monthly payment is like $5,500, okay? They can go to Taylor Morrison right now, and without spending any money, all they have to do is use their lender. They can get what's called a 3-2-1 buy-down, right? Which means, well, not only a 3-2-1 buy-down, but then a permanent rate of 4.99% for 30 years. Permanent rate. Okay, so your maximum payment goes from $5,500 on your house at $950 to call it $4,500, at 4.99, but the kicker is they're going to give you year one at 1.99%, mm-hmm. year two at 2.99%, year three at 3.99%, then on year four, you're at five. You'll never have to refi because I don't think we're going to get below five. We yeah. may get to four and a half maybe in two or three years, right, depending on what the economy does. <laughs> but now you're saying, okay, well, my, my house is bigger. It's got an extra bedroom. Cool. Then that very specific buyer is going to buy your home. But if I am a buyer that can afford those two price points, 
I'm going to take the new construction for $1,000 a month, $12,000 a year less. Because again. Because I can afford it. Well, it and oh, by the way, hold on. That's not, that's not even the kicker. The other kicker is they're also offering up to $50,000 off the purchase price of the house. Well, and not only that, let's go down, let's go back to the psychology of it, okay? If I have two homes that are priced equally, that mm-hmm. are equally the same size with the same amount of bed and bath, am I going to buy the home that I feel like I'm not getting as much of a right. quote-unquote deal on? Exactly. Or am I going to go with the home that in the brochure, when I start talking to them, they go, oh, we're going to give you 50% down, and we're going to give you 30% back on all of that, like there's a reason that right. they have that. And there's a reason why new homes are selling at the rate that they're selling. Exactly. So if you're in a community that you're trying to resell your home and you're listing it, but you have one of these Taylor Morrison type communities right adjacent to you, that is something you have to keep in mind when you're looking at the price point. You may have to go down to maybe 875, 850, mm-hmm. or maybe 900, but you're going you're gonna to offer 10,000 in concessions right off the bat so you can garner interest in buyers and get eyeballs on your home. Yep. These are all things that come into consideration why we keep saying pricing is so, so important. I would say that home pricing is one of the best definitions of less is more. Yeah. And and right now, yes, 100%. Yeah. And, you know, and it comes down to, like, like we said earlier, is to make yourself more competitive, especially in an arena where you're dealing with these large companies mm-hmm. that can afford to give breaks, don't go into it with the mindset of, I want to get the most money. Go into it with the mindset of, how can I get the most money, right? Because when you, when yes. you do the first one, you're going in and you're going to go, my price is at 950, right. that's it. When you approach it the second way, you leave an opening in your mindset, in your thought mm-hmm. process for some different changing prices, different things that you can offer. Yeah. I think it's it, the, the, the mindset needs to be, how do I maximize the value? Of yes. My home? Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's what it is. How do I maximize what my home is worth? Yep. And again, we, we covered it in the episode. We'll, we'll throw the tag up on here, but just, just do every little thing because every little thing that you do, whether it's landscaping, whether it's painting your front door, whether it's making your mailbox look up to date and nicer, mm-hmm. these little things can be an edge that you did not expect. And honestly, it doesn't really cost that much mm-hmm. comparatively to redoing a bathroom yes. or painting your entire house again. Right. Those little things, look it up. But again, if you're going and you're talking to, to a realtor and you give them a price point and their immediate action is, yeah, we'll make that happen. I, I Don't worry about it. We'll get it. Stop you, for a second. You better be Usain Bolt. Yeah. Th- throw, throw up a little bit of a red flag yeah. because you want your agent to come back at you and go, okay, mm. How did you get that price? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, walk of? me through yes. what the thought process was and then have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I, I agree 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think that, like I said, and guys, here's the deal. At the end of the day, we are in currently the strangest <laughs> housing market that anyone has ever seen. Anyone. Okay? Mm-hmm. Literally anyone has ever seen. And I, I'll probably, I might reiterate this on my one rock takeaway, but I really want to make this point, right? If you're looking at listing and you want a price point because you want to get to your dream home, okay? Understand that it's, it's about your goals and what you want to accomplish. And that's it, right? Because the market is going to do what the market's going to fucking do. And I say it time and time again, time in the market is better than timing the market. If you can get to your dream home, 
now by listing at a competitive price and understanding what your realtor is trying to do and, and taking into account all these factors so you can get into that place now versus five years from now, do it, okay? Mm -hmm. Have the conversation. If it makes sense for you, do it. Because in five years, in 10 years, I don't know, did we, did we do the stat last week about the housing market and what it could be in 2053? No. Okay. So here's, this is why. This oh, is, yes, yes, yes. Where right. The compound, the growth. Yes. Yes. The so again, I'm going gonna, gonna to reiterate it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Historically. Crazy fact. Historically, regardless, and this goes back through the 1930s, 1920s. So we're talking Great Depression, Recession, and for World all of War you, II, for Vietnam all of you market, War. Market crash people. Yes. It's still, still continued. This didn't change anything. That didn't change anything. Go ahead. Anyway. What you're saying, perfect example, right? The market's going to crash. Interest yeah. rates are high. Yeah. You know what? We saw 3.1. I saw this article today. <laughs> it was like housing prices fall month over month. Uh, largest drop off in the last 10 years. And they fell 3.1%. Okay. Mm -hmm. Colorado, like Western United States alone over the last five years has gone up 47%. <laughs> Context, people. Anyway, my point is real estate, residential specifically, has historically doubled every decade. And at the current rate, by 2050, which is only three decades away, mm -hmm. right, the average home price will be $1 million. Okay? Thank God that this is saved on YouTube. Because I, I can't, I can't wait to go back. $1 million. And, and look at it. So my point is, if you're looking at <laughs> listing and you're like, man, you know what? I just... I don't know, man. I don't want to take a $15,000 hit on the list price of my home. If it gets you into your dream home and it costs you fifteen grand on a $700,000 house and your new house at $900,000 in 30 years is worth $2.5 million, I will take, I'll give you fifteen grand to make a million and a half all day, every day. It understand a, the big picture. It is a curse of humanity to not understand the future. So, you anyway. know, and and that's again we talked about it last week. Warren Buffett, you know, that the people want quick money, they want fast money, they don't they don't want long money, and, and that's ultimately understand that. To Jameson's point, when you're listing a home, understand that it's a different uh, it's a different mindset that you have to mm -hmm. have, because these are price points that you are not looking at on a regular basis. So when you look at pricing a home and you hear your agent say, we're gonna, we're gonna go $15,000 under, your human brain goes $15,000? And yes, ultimately in a day-to-day, -day, go to the grocery store, to go to the convenience store, $15,000 is a big play. But when it plays into real estate, if you take a $15,000 hit on your home, but you create a $30,000 bidding war, mm -hmm. you have now gained that 15 by just biting the bullet on, on the list. Or again, if you take the $15,000 hit, but then you buy your dream home that you're going to live in for 30 years, yes. that over 30 years, you are going to make more than $15,000 in equity. Oh, hold on. I'm going to act like, I'm going to act like Oscar's here right now. Mm. Guys, you got to leverage your money. <laughs> Facts, right? right? Leverage, Oscar. <laughs> so yeah, think big picture, guys. I think it's it, when we talk about why it's important to price a home in this current climate, it's because we are in a weird fucking market, and all of the normal market financials don't make any sense mm -hmm. because historically, 
at 6.75% interest rate, if we had the same, like I think the last time we were at 6.75 was 2016, right? Okay. Um, if we had the same supply in 2016 at 6.75, dude, things would be going, like I would think about listing a house mm-hmm. and I'd already have 17 offers, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. The problem mm-hmm. is, Home values have increased so much yes. that affordability is the factor. So when yeah. I when I the reason we wanted to do this episode is because people just assume like I can list whatever I want. You can't because there's so many extenuating factors that are that are affecting what a house sells for. Mm-hmm. And Charlie just said it right. Thirteen hundred new listings last week. Twenty sixteen, we were averaging eight to nine thousand, maybe ten on, on during peak selling season in the, in the spring if we cut that down back then when rates were 6.75%, yeah. but home prices, the average home price in America was $137,000. Now it's $287,000. <laughs> like guys, you, you don't, it's weird. It's fucking weird out there, which is why very pricing is very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. And there's two factors. There's what the market value is of the house that we deal with. And it's what your goals are, which yes. we call a seller's net sheet. How much do you want to make on your home? If it's not realistic, we will tell you it's not realistic. And if, if they you want to throw a flyer you, out there, if they don't tell you yes. that it's not realistic, red flag. And here's the deal. Let's and I'll, I'll take it a step further. Let's say it's we get into a conversation. You know what? I just want to list and see what happens. That's fine. Have a plan. Hey, every 14 days we don't have an offer. We drop by X amount. That way you're not surprised. I'm not surprised. The market's not surprised. And mm-hmm. we figure out what the fuck the house is worth based on demographics, average income, what people are willing to spend. There's so much that goes into it. Lean on your realtor. Ask the right questions based on what we've talked about today and figure out if it makes sense. Like, well, I'll tell you what, Jim, that, you know that, that, that really sounded like a one-rock takeaway. It's been like a four-rock takeaway because I've dealt with the pricing <laughs> and I, it's just one of those things where it's like, if I'm, a, if I'm not a mechanic and I go in and take my car for an oil change, and I tell the mechanic how to do do the oil change. Like sometimes I yeah. feel that way, so I get a little passionate about it. No, I, I, but, I yeah. understand it. Yeah. I understand it. It is what it is. I, let's go ahead and move into the one rock takeaway for Ooh. today's episode. You it go was, first, dude. I got heated. Mine. Yeah, that, yeah, you that go was first. heated. You go first. All right, so let me go ahead. One rock takeaway. I, I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a roll with my one rock takeaways of ta- keep, keeping it like humanitarian, like human-minded you rather well than like just sales. Continue, yeah. I, I think continue. I'm going to do that. I think yep. I'm going to do that. Um, my one rock takeaway for today's episode is check yourself before check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's, yeah. Check yourself before you wreck yourself because regardless of what you want, you are in a market that demands certain things. So before you get upset with an agent for what you feel like underpricing your house or before you get excited looking at people selling their houses around you, Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get an agent. Talk to an agent. And, and here's the thing. People don't even recognize you don't have to pay for an agent to help you talk about and discuss the price of your home. That, so, that's, some people actually do charge for that. But they... Fuck those people. Exactly. Screw, screw them. Because again, we're a service industry job. Mm-hmm. Our job is to enable you guys to learn the most, get the most information, to properly earn and live a life that you want to live based on the decisions that you make. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's my one rock takeaway. Cool. I like it. Yeah, it's good.
Oh, okay. I want to make this impactful because I just, it's, <laughs> it's, so it's such an important topic. Um, well, I'll, I'll keep going. The chickity check yourself before, before you wreck, wreck yourself. yourself. No, <laughs> I'm going with that. Real estate is for the average American. I think average American. Okay, not crypto investors and stock market geniuses, whatever. The average American is the most important investment you will ever make. Yeah, it just is. Okay. So that being said, I implore you guys to have a long-term view of said investment. Treat it like a business asset that you get to enjoy for however long you want to enjoy it and then reap the benefits when you sell. When I, the reason I highlight that is because I want you guys, when we're talking about pricing homes, take the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. And once you do, you will find out that you make better decisions, yes. you make more money, you set your family up for more success in the future by treating it as a business asset and not something really like, oh my God, my daughter took her first steps in this kitchen, therefore this kitchen is priceless. It's not fucking <laughs> it's priceless. Not priceless. It's got wood. It's got it's a not. sink. I'm it's sorry. Got, like, I, you yeah. know what? My daughter took her first steps in my kitchen. Didn't mean I offered, I asked for a million dollars from my house, okay? <laughs> I took a video. I have 4K on my iPhone. It was enough for me. Treat it like a business asset. Take the emotion out of it and you will make better decisions going forward that will set you and your family up. Like I said, every decade, real estate doubles and it's compounding. Mm -hmm. Don't let an emotional decision leave you on the sidelines. And if you do, I don't want a phone call 10 years down there. I can't believe I didn't sell. (laughs) Sorry. It's it's harsh, but it It is. It's reality. What it is. It is real, (laughs) right? And you know, I love how we get to the one rock takeaway all the time, and and it gets to the point where I start, I start thinking, and my brain goes right, and I know that the bourbon was was good, and the bourbon starts working when I feel the fire burn as you're talking. I'm like, I want to say something, (laughs) right? And and Oscar's been on here before talking about you know. Home buying is not a privilege, it's a right, yep. that kind of a thing. And yes, I agree. In the United States, buying a home is a right. We're all sovereign citizens. We have the right to do it. But again, please don't forget the the beauty that we have here mm-hmm. as citizens of the United States to not only be able to buy property, but to decide that we can move and that we have the ability to move and where we want to be because people across the world do not have that. It's it's not an opportunity that a lot of the the world has is to go, "Oh, I, that's a thir- that's a four bed, that's a five bed, that's a three bed. I think I'm going to go with the three bed." That is a luxury mm-hmm. that we get to enjoy because of because of where we are and who we are, yep. right? And and again, you know, I, I say it like that and, and I bring up the bourbon because for me, whenever whenever I get a good bottle of bourbon and I'm and I'm having good conversation, the the emotion comes out, right? And, and, and the feeling, really, it shows. Um, and, and as you were talking, that, that's the one that, it, it was fire. It popped into my head and I was like, I gotta say this. I gotta, know. I gotta let people know, right? Um, but on that note, guys, I think it's a phenomenal time to move into the bourbon review. First off, tin cup. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. You know, I... 
the rock rating on this, it, it's hard for me, you know, and we talked about this before because if, if I'm talking about, you know, again, take emotion out of it. If I'm talking from a, a bourbon review standpoint, I'd rate it one way. If I'm talking about how it markets itself mm -hmm. to a campfire trip bourbon, <laughs> oh boy, let me tell you, I, I can see myself around any campfire anywhere with this bourbon, a good friend, talking about whatever topic. And honestly, like I look now and I look down and I was like, holy shit, that bottle's halfway gone. I, I would finish this bottle around a campfire because I know that I'd be sipping on this. Supply level's low, demand's high. <laughs> but I would be sipping on this thing and I, I, at a, around a campfire and I'd be pouring it out. Yeah, man, here, have some, try that, try, go for it. And I'd look down and be like, the bottle's gone, right? So if I were to base it on that, yeah, like th this bourbon takes it. But again, professionals here, we, we, try, and, we try and keep it even and we got to keep emotion, emotion out of it, right, J-Mo? I'm going to go the so opposite. Right? Of the <laughs> <continue> the <words. laughs> All right, so I'll give you, my, I'll give you my, my, my social rating. Okay. My social rock rating? Zero. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go one and a half, two yep, on know, my right? social rating. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, because again, I, I would give this to people that just walked up to my campfire. I don't know if they drink bourbon, but if I had this around the fire, I'd be like, yo, you got to try they, this. They drink bourbon after they leave yeah, the campfire. Like this exactly. fucking guy was awesome. Right. But now give it, give it the, give it the connoisseur yeah. rating yeah. at 43%. Um, and by no means do I think I'm a connoisseur, but at 43%, at the price point I don't that know it's how to at. Spell connoisseur. <laughs> Be honest. I I would I I'm looking at especially you know compare it to to past bourbons and stuff like that based on content the the proof all that. I'm I'm gonna give it a four. Um I I think that I think that's fair. Oh yeah. Across the board yeah. for the flavor that it has for the price point that it is, I think a four on on the grand scale on a normal scale versus hey can I have this around a campfire with friends. I think a four is a good place to put this um, because I do think that if you were to give this to the guy that shoved his nose in, in, mm -hmm. in, in the glass and, yep. and smelled it, yeah, I think that he would say that this is a light, this is a sure. light bourbon. This yeah. is a bourbon that is flavor forward rather than cask forward. Yep. Um, but ultimately, phenomenal, phenomenal bourbon um, for the price point, for the enjoyment factor. I, two, two on a social, four on a on a, on a bourbon note for sure. I'm going to try to do something a little different. Okay. Because I just, there's a correlation. I'm going to try and tie my, my rock rating in with the topic. Okay. I'm here for it. Let's so, do it. So here's my thought. And I think what everything you said is true. Um, when I look at listing a property, if I can tell a story and the sellers can assist me with telling that story, AKA painting the walls, Ooh. uh, Ooh, I like where you're going with this. Keep, Upgrades, keep going, baby. <laughs> uh, marketing material, everything else. And I can I can do that now to drive the price up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I can find people that would pay a price for that house. Yes. If somebody comes in and goes, hey, this is what I think it's worth based on just memories and the fact that I just think my house is worth this because I'm looking at other houses. Mm -hmm. No. Tin Cup has done a fantastic job of building a story around their brand. Yes. And marketing it to and a purpose and marketing it to specific people, mm -hmm. right? They want outdoor adventure, wilderness, campfire, friends, community, etc. 
there is no doubt in my mind, the next time I go on a camping trip with a group of friends, right. this is what I'm bringing. But here's the thing. If I put this next to a bottle of Buffalo Trace <laughs> at $34, <laughs> oh, boy. right? This is 31 If now knowing the story mm-hmm. and understanding the marketing, if I price this at 40 I'd still buy this over the Buffalo. Exactly. Absolutely. You see Absolutely. where I'm going with this? Especially because the Buffalo bottle is, is round. It's going to roll away. Pricing is important. <laughs> the story you tell with that pricing is important. Mm-hmm. If you're listing your house, there's things that we're going to ask to make sure you get your top dollar. This is 32 bucks. All things created equal, depending on what I'm looking to do, mm-hmm. if I'm going to go camping, I'll pay 50 for this. Yes. Absolutely. So yeah. I agree. I think socially, yeah. one, one and a half. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I agree with the four. Like if I just take it at face value, I still think it's a great sippable mm-hmm. whiskey without all the social context and whatnot. I think it's a four. Obviously we've had some small batches. I can't put it up against Yeah, because it's not even the same type of cask barrel mm-hmm. pour or anything, but a four. Right. But I think this is the, the point that I want to tie in is the effort you put in to the marketing and building a story and doing some different things like the little touches, like the hexagon versus a, a bottle, the tin cap versus no cap to share it, it can drive the price up. Yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. I got, can, can, we all, can we all please just give this man uh, <laughs> some kind of a recognition <laughs> for the tie-in to the topic just saying, today? Man, like, I, that, you know what I mean? I like, to, I like to make and, extrapolations well, and, and kind of you know, figure shit out. And the fact that this all just kind of came together naturally. Exactly. Right? Yes. We didn't know. We yep. bought this, went along with the topic 100%. As somebody who they have a to rye Colorado, too, that's supposed to be phenomenal. They have a rye. See, I would love to do that against the, against the smoke wagon. Yep. All right, we might have to. Maybe that's the that's the 14er. and the rye is forty. Maybe that's the fourteener. Hey yo. Oh yeah, teaser. Yes. Just so you guys are aware. <laughs> teaser. To to keep watching this channel, mm-hmm. we are going to climb a fourteen thousand foot mountain. <laughs> we are going to interview people on the way up about the Colorado housing market. And then we will do a very, very short podcast on top of a 14,000-foot mountain because we are the Mile High Perspective. Damn right. We are the Mile High Perspective. And on that note, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can see our episodes every week between Monday and Wednesday. You can listen to our episodes every Friday. And if you want, please feel free to reach out to us. R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com or give us a ring or a text message at 303-578-0263. That text message phone number goes to both of us. Uh, and I think, Charlie, you're on social media a little bit. I am. So how do I they uh, connect with you? You know, if you're looking for me on uh, Instagram or TikTok, it's that lifting agent or the lifting agent. Yep. And with me, guys, the Colorado real estate guy. Super simple. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I'll be there. Uh, we try and post videos two or three times a day, just with mm-hmm. clips so you guys can get a taste of what this podcast is about. Yep. Uh, but we'd love to have us, have you guys give us a follow, give us a like, and, hey, comment. Uh, and Oscar. guys, if you, I, I can't stress this enough. If you guys are watching or listening to this and you enjoy what we're talking about, give us a positive rating. We'd love it. It helps mm-hmm. us spread into the community. It helps us continue to prol- proliferate this knowledge uh, and bring different topics to you guys. And if you guys want us to talk about something specific, let us know. Yep. Because yeah. I can't tell you how many times I'm out. Somebody finds out I'm a real estate Dude. agent and they start asking me all these questions. Yo, if you're going to ask me a question while I'm drinking beer, ask me a question in the comment section. But on that, on that note too, hey, hey, Oscar, where can people reach you? Oh, 
they can reach me at oscarthorealtor.com. Oh, that was great from Inside the Barrel, man. What was it again? oscarthorealtor.com. Which is a plant, Oscar Wonderful. the Grouch, which lives in a trash can <laughs> with a barrel. It's very similar. <laughs> it flows. That's on it. Guys, thank you so much for joining Appreciate us on another it. episode. Always, we'll as catch always. you later. All right, see ya. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.